0: Hi, I'm Maynika Raman-Wilms, and you're listening to The Decibel, from The Globe and Mail. Earlier this month, we learned that a migrant worker died while operating a tobacco harvester in southern Ontario. He was working in Canada as part of the Temporary Foreign Workers Program, or TFW for short. Most TFWs work on farms.
1: A temporary foreign worker is a worker who is hired from abroad through an immigration stream administered by the Canadian government to just temporarily fill jobs in this country. I spoke with The Globe's future of work reporter, Banmala Subramaniam. Now, one of the most important things to remember is that a person's employment is tied to their work permit. Essentially, if they lose the employment, they lose their work permit. What are some of the biggest criticisms of this program, then? The biggest criticism of the program, Manika, is that it increases the number of workers in this country that are poorly paid, don't have full employment rights, and are, you know, often subject to abuse and poor working conditions. Now, on the other hand, people argue that, you know, businesses, especially after the pandemic. There has been a labor shortage amongst, you know, cooks, caregivers, specifically those two streams. And, you know, they need people to come in immediately to fill that gap. The advocacy
0: group Justice for Migrant Workers estimates that 8 to 10 migrant workers have died in Canada this year alone. Accurate numbers for injuries and deaths are hard to come by, though, because nobody's
1: really keeping track. But these workers are crucial to Canada's economy. Canada has an aging population. And, you know, we're a country that needs immigrants of all skill types. So, you know, the government is standing by its program and saying that, yeah, this is a means to fill temporarily, fill the labor gap in this country until we get to a position where, you know, we find Canadians that we have enough Canadians to actually work in these jobs. And... Despite criticisms, the Temporary Foreign Workers Program
0: continues to expand.
1: So let me just give you a couple of data points. At the end of 2021, that's our most recent data point, we had more than 775,000 foreign-born individuals who had temporary work permits in this country. So that gives you a sense. And that's an increase of 92% from 2015. It was a very big change that the government announced in April in related to the in relation to the TFW program. Specifically, they said employers in most industries across the country could now hire up to twenty percent of their workforce through the low wage stream of the TF, TFW program, and that is an increase from 10% to 20%, so it's a pretty big increase. Now, they then specified even further. They said, you know, in seven sectors with chronic labor shortages, like hospitals, construction, hospitality, that cap was increased to 30%. So you could basically fill 30% of your workforce with the low-wage temporary foreign workers. So, Bemilith, advocates for migrant workers have argued
0: that pathways to permanent residency should be more accessible to, to these workers.
1: What is, has what is the government said about that? So the government is quite defensive on this whole idea of transitioning workers to permanent residency. You know, in the most latest correspondence I had with the Immigration Department, they said that in 2021, 152,000 applicants of you know, who used to own uh, own temporary work permits were transitioned into permanent residency. But if you really break down that data, it's it's very difficult to assess who exactly what kind of worker is getting PR. Now you know there are academics who study this, and they have said that in the last five years, the, only fifteen percent of migrant farm workers. And remember, that's the, those are the biggest you know, users of the program. Only 15% of migrant farm workers have transitioned to PR status within five years of their first arrival in Canada.
2: On the world stage, Canada portrays itself as a champion for human rights, as a champion for diversity and inclusiveness. But quietly under the table, what does Canada do? Perpetuate 18th-century working conditions.
0: Gabriel Aladua originally came to Canada as a migrant worker in 2012 from Saint Lucia. He worked in a greenhouse in Leamington in Ontario for four seasons, and then he became a permanent resident in 2015. But his experiences as a TFW led Gabriel to become an advocate for migrant worker rights. He's now a volunteer at Justice for Migrant Workers. He'll tell us his experience and what he thinks needs to change. This is The Decibel. Gabriel, thank you so much for speaking with me today.
2: Well, thanks for this opportunity because being a migrant farm worker in Canada... We are forced to keep quiet. So, any opportunity I get to speak up, I welcome that. So, thank you.
0: Yeah, I'm really glad that we can uh, hear from you today. You were born in Saint Lucia, so why did you decide to come to Canada as a as a temporary foreign worker in the first place?
2: Had I come to Canada by choice, I would be a visitor. I would be a tourist. Everybody's dream. But I was forced to come to Canada. It was. Very, very difficult economic situation, and it was a whole chain, a series of events that really pushed me to come to Canada. Me, I did beekeeping. We, uh, my country was infested with viru mite.
0: Did you say you did beekeeping?
2: Beekeeping, beekeeping. yes, honey producing. Oh. Yeah, and we, our country became infested with a mite, viru mite, and I call it a dynamite. Anytime you're infested with that, you lose between fifty percent hundred percent, so they call it a dynamite. Mm. but um, with the in- invasion of that, that pest, um, I literally I was forced forced out of honey production and um, then the hurricane came in, and literally it was a series of events that dropped me um, that pushed me to the lowest point of my life, being unemployed, with a family to support. In a country with very little or maybe no social safety net, and all of that time, the economy of St. Lucia was contracting, contracting, not much opportunities for employment and Mm. so on, right? So I I was desperate. I was standing on really shaky ground. I was desperate to do anything legal, and the opportunity to to work as a migrant farm worker presented itself.
0: Mm. Yeah. Okay, wow. That's a
2: lot of things I said, right?
0: (laughs) But it's good to actually hear that process, though, to see what brought you here to this point. And so you worked for four seasons, Gabriel, in a greenhouse in, in Leamington, Ontario. There are lots of migrant workers in the area. Um, there are Up to 10,000 seasonal workers, actually, in the, in the broader Windsor-Essex County during the, the peak growing seasons. Can you just paint me a picture of what it was like working in a greenhouse like that?
2: First of all, not having status in Canada, not having status in Canada, it means that you're denied basic human rights and you're denied basic labor standards. Let us talk about these things Working in a greenhouse, one, there's something that we call, I call it variable piece rate. What is that? If for this week, for example, I harvested 2,000 pounds of tomatoes, I may meet their expectation. And what is their expectation? Every week they'll post a chart, a color chart, and people who did well or meet their expectation, They'll be in the. Their names would be at the top with a green, you know, with a green background. Those who didn't meet the expectation would be at the bottom with a red background. And um, if you consistently f- um, um, found yourself at the bottom, the supervisor'd come to you and tell you, "Look, look at this chart. The guys at the top in green. That means the work can be done." Remember in your country there's a hundred people lined up willing to take your post. So they mm. push us, they push us. So if this week I have a say, two thousand pounds, I may find myself in green. Next week, next week, I may have a two thousand five hundred pounds and I may not find myself in green mm. because they keep the goal keep on changing.
0: Are you actually but, punished if you make it to the bottom there? What I, happens?
2: And to be honest, to be honest, at my farm there was one guy, he was his contract was terminated because um, they claimed that he'd never met the expectation. Um, on other farms, every day. This, this, now that I'm an outreach worker, I, I get reports that on some farms, every day, at least one or two workers have been punished. Those people found the, find themselves at the bottom. And I think the list on those farms is daily list. The, the, daily, a list has been posted. And those people find themselves at the bottom. Um, they, they, they've been punished. And how was the punishment? Stay in the bungalows, do not work.
0: So then you're not making money then. Well, not working
2: means not making money for sure. That's a punishment.
0: How much did you get paid working there?
2: minimum wage and uh, in 2012 maybe it was 12 25 i can't remember but minimum wage but what is minimum wage um we have so many deductions so we literally we end up below minimum wage Uh, and to make it worse for example the contract says that the employer would provide housing free housing but every week each person will pay 52 dollars for they call it for utilities and to make it worse, 25% of my income, weekly income, went to the liaison, my government representative, and they call it compulsory savings. Uh, but I need to say it for clarity, um, the 25%, we got a portion back, but it was called compulsory savings. But it was one way of ensuring that we return to our home country. So the system makes you dependent. So you go through that dependent, 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 rather than after a while you can become independent.
0: And you mentioned this can be dangerous work, too. Can, did you ever feel in danger when you were doing this kind of work?
2: During my first year, once we were working, there were some guys spraying, spraying pesticides just a few rows away from us.
0: Close to where you are actually yes, were.
2: And I, I wasn't even aware of the danger. That makes was so worried about my, my, my living conditions, right? It was, I'm so happy that the guy was working just ahead of me. He pointed that out to the supervisor. So, um, so being exposed to pesticide was one of the serious thing that we came face to face with. In the greenhouse where I work, the, the tomato plants, they grow continually for the year continue to keep on growing growing um, because they grow continually continu- there's some people the task is to um, ensure that these plants keep on growing vertically and um, because of that um they use something we call a scissors leaf a piece of equipment which um um you know um it, it 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 takes um it allows them to be elevated to that like growing. lifts you up into the air kind you of up, yeah. like a cherry picker something or something like, yeah. kind of yeah. similar yeah. and those those um those uh, scissors lift we call them. They run on a track, and there was a particular case where uh, the track was broken, and unexpectedly, unexpected, not you know being um, so far up in the air, the, um, the the worker didn't know that the track was faulty. Mm-hmm. So when he got to that point, suddenly, unexpectedly, it um it went off balance and it threw him down. He landed on a um, in an awkward position, and his pelvic bo- bone, his pelvic bone was broken. Yeah.
0: Oh wow. You mentioned living conditions as well, Gabriel. Can you describe what the living conditions were like when you were working there?
2: Yes. um, The living conditions, let me see for simplicity, it was 62 guys in a bunkhouse. Um, How how
0: big is a bunkhouse?
2: um, How big? Um, In my estimation, um, maybe 120 feet, maybe by 50 feet. There were eight rooms. Um, seven of the rooms where I live had eight guys and one of the rooms had six. So it was four bunk beds. Um, the, each room where I live, each room had a washroom. Um, there was a small window and one door.
1: Hmm.
2: There was a small table at the center with four chairs, eight guys, but one table with four chairs. What does that say? Hmm. Um, um, the privacy was an issue. So that, that was just the room, the kitchen. There were three stoves with 16 burners. Um so do the math, 16 burners to be shared by 62 guys, right? There were four washers, four drives for 62 guys. So all night long you'd see people walking up and down to get to the to the to the laundry. There was one television for 62 guys. Ironically, the only thing that kept us united with the television was wrestling. So it was a challenge. It was all you never did things at your own pace. It was always a challenge.
0: So, people who returned from this kind of program to Saint Lucia, did they ever talk about the kind of experience they had, either good or bad?
2: Um, Generally, I would say no. In our home country, they see us. People participate in the program. They see us as visitors because you come, you come for a short period of time. Like in my case, I would spend a maximum of eight months in Canada, return to my country, and spend a short period of roughly four months before I return to Canada. So they would see me as a tourist. Now. In my country, if you're a tourist, that means you have money. Things are nice. So it's, they see us as that, um, being in good condition and so on. And we too, we try to, to let the money do the talking. We bring a news would be where our clothing would look different. Our shoes would look different. So, mm-hmm. so that we put, we li- basically live up to the expectation and we never conveyed the, the reality. Another thing that we did, we did after spending eight months, we make sure we brought a gift for literally everybody. So by the fact that you can reach out by handing a gift, It must. it's a reflection of something good, right? Mm, yeah. So we lived up to that expectation, the false dream, the false American dream, I guess.
0: Mm. Now, you haven't worked as, as a TFW since 2014. But just this week, we heard about the working conditions of migrant workers in an open letter to the Jamaican labor minister after a worker died in a tobacco harvesting accident last weekend. And in the letter, the worker said, quote, as it currently stands, the seasonal agricultural workers program is systematic slavery, end quote. What goes through your mind, Gabriel, when you hear that?
2: On the world stage, what does Canada portray itself as? In my country, Red the white means love. On the world stage, Canada portrays itself as a champion for human rights, as a champion for diversity and inclusiveness. But quietly under the table, what does Canada do? perpetuate 18th century working conditions, and people can even speak up. What does that say, right? About Canada. Mm.
0: Earlier this year in April, the federal government announced it's actually going to expand the program. So it's going to allow more temporary foreign workers into the country to work with even more people coming into this program. I guess what is one thing that you really want to see changed in order to make things better for, for people coming to work in Canada?
2: The one shift that I want, the one shift that we want, the one policy shift is status upon arrival. Now, what is status? When it, In Canada, when we talk about status, some people refer to it as PR, some people Permanent refer to it residency. as landed, some yes. people, different names, but mm-hmm. uh, listen to that. As to a migrant worker, you know what status meant? Not living in Canada, it comes to that, yes, but that's not what, I mean. status is that thing that gives me an open work permit. With an open work permit, you know what it does? It takes the pressure off, it puts the pressure on my employer. My employer now knows I have an open work permit. So it is now putting the pressure on my employer to create those conditions, create those conditions that would attract me and keep me, right? Having status, it gives me the right and now have the power to refuse unsafe work. That's what status means to us. Mm-hmm. Having status would also mean being united with your family. Now, status, if you have status, it takes care of my immigration vulnerability. It takes care of my labor vulnerabilities. So it gives me that power. I want the 20,000, the thirty thousand, the 40,000 migrant workers who are um, working hard each and every day to, to, to access the same decency that every human being deserves.
0: Gabriel, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me today.
2: I would like to thank you too because Canada is known to be a country with a culture of silence. And breaking that silence is a big challenge. And this opportunity helps you to break the challenge, that challenge, um, to, to, to break that, 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 that silence. So I'm really grateful for that. Thank you.
0: Thank you so much. That's it for today. I'm Manica Raman our summer producer is Zara Kozema. Our producers are Madeline White, Cheryl Sutherland, and Rachel Levy-McLaughlin. David Crosby edits the show. Kasia Mihailovich is our senior producer, and Angela Pachenza is our executive editor. Thanks so much for listening, and I'll talk to you tomorrow.